Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, I interview Verena Borel. Verena is a talented astrologer who has brought so much dynamism and magic to my classrooms. She participated in the last meteorite, which is an advanced program that involves the creation of projects. And she ended up creating a book for her project after she let go of the intention or plan or expectation to write the book. The book was a distillation of research goddess veneration and deep communion with Diana, also known as Artemis, the goddess of the hunt and the waxing moon. Verena's scholarship on Diana created an opening to understand the asteroid Diana in the natal chart and by transit, just as we might understand Chiron, Vesta, Pallas Athena, or other asteroids. Not much has been written about Diana astrologically, and Verena created a deeply impressive work of art and scholarship on Diana. The book is forthcoming, and I'll be sure to let you all know when it's coming out because I'm stoked about it. And in the meantime, you can reach out to Verena for a natal chart reading or Diana reading based in the methodology of evolutionary astrology and from Verena's gifted site. If you want to reach out to Verena, her email is mail at verenaborel.com written out in the notes as well, but that is Verena, V-E-R-E-N-A, Borel, B-O-R-E-L-L. I loved the reading I got from her, and I would highly recommend her. A little bit more about Verena. Verena Borel lives and works as an evolutionary astrologer, writer, creatrix, and translator for cosmic energies in Munich, Germany. She offers one-to-one astrology sessions in German and English language and supports clients with cosmic guidance over several months on their soul's journey. To expand and deepen the wisdom school of evolutionary astrology, Verena started last summer to read the Akashic Records for herself and her clients too. Blessed with gifted and wise teachers such as Sabrina Monarch and Ari Moshe Wolf, Verena considers herself an eternal student. Born with a strong Gemini and Sagittarius axis and a fully loaded 12th house, Verena has the deep desire to share the light, her learnings and experiences with other souls. She gives astrology workshops such as recently about the Venus cycle, and she shares her astrological knowledge, intuitive insights, and cosmic experiences on her Instagram channel at Verena Borel via her Mercury Messages newsletter and her Mercury Musings blog. Verena also hosts her Mercury Dreams podcast in German language. Verena considers astrology as a loving and living experience. For her, astrology and the planets are neither above nor detached from life, but rather part of an enchanted, wise, and meaningful universe, which includes nature, earth, the cosmos, humans, animals, and also entities from other dimensions and extraterrestrial realms. Verena considers evolutionary astrology and the Akashic Records as powerful systems and magical tools to navigate her soul's experience in this incarnation here in Earth School and to connect with a higher truth, love, and source. Because of that, rituals, meditation, and prayers to the planets, goddesses, and gods are part of her astrological practice, soul's path, and heart work. 
And a little bit more about Meteorite before we get into this episode, as Meteorite is currently enrolling for the next year-long journey beginning March 6th, 2022, applications open through February 27th. It is for alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, so if you've studied with me before, as well as if you've taken the last Meteorite, since this will be all new material. And I do potentially consider exceptions for practitioners who already have a technical grounding in astrology. Meteorite is an invitation to live astrologically, to deepen that practice if you are already in it. One of the ways we do this is to consider the mythos of our lives in correspondence with the transits and the way they are hitting our charts. Normally, we might do this practice alone or with one other person, not as community in a room with a hive of tapped in, uniquely gifted mystics and practitioners. But Meteorite is that lit up community of people who speak the same secret language and are just as enthusiastic as you. We all grow our literacy together. The last time this course ran, many of our conversations seemed to transcend time and open portals. We'd leave with a sparkly, illuminated feeling that something had just happened. Meteorite is about tapping into your magic as an astrologer, among other journeyers tapping into their unique voice. We amplify each other as we are also creatively unto ourselves. It's a star among stars situation. The curriculum and experience of the course is designed to feed all of our senses of awe and enthusiasm about the craft of astrology. We go to astrology with our joy and celebration. We also tune into the deeper mysteries of it and our struggle or impasse. Meteorite is not just about learning astrology at a technical level, though we do expand our craft in that way, but tapping into the eros of astrology itself. The deepest feeling of aliveness, the way that astrological insight acts like acupuncture to the soul, opens mundane and cosmic doors alike and changes our very selves. All the material and techniques we specifically explore, like working more intimately with the moon and lunar cycle, engaging the fixed sign mysteries, working with Eros and Psyche, world transits and lunar progressions, personal and professional development across the fourth and 10th houses and more. All of this is in service to a more profound embodied relationship with astrology for you, for your career, for your relationship with the universe. Meteorite involves the creation of a project or a body of work the scope being your design, personal, creative, academic, professional, your choice. Bring your intention for growth and deepening to this year-long container amidst other magical beings and see what materializes. The links to the course page, application, and a separate catalog with more details about inspirations for the material of this year's Meteorite are in the notes. We begin March 6th, apply by February 27th. And now for this conversation with Farina about Diana, um, perhaps queue up your chart on astro.com and add asteroid Diana to find out where she is for you. And if you have, you know, I use astro gold and Diana is on there as one of the extra minor bodies that you can add. Um, but find out, start a conversation with Diana. One of the things that Verena will really encourage in this episode is that you can talk to Diana too, um, which I find is a really profound and beautiful invitation and, you know, find out where she is in your chart, see if she's making aspects, what sign and house she's in 
you might be surprised. Like, what if she's conjunct one of your planets? Um, I happened to meet someone after, like, during the research um, that Verena was doing about Diana and, you know, getting to be privy to that in our class and meeting someone who had a sun, moon, Diana triple conjunction and really feeling from that person, that archetype, it was just uh, incredibly magical. So now I have the pleasure of getting to see Diana in charts. And I'm so grateful that Verena opened this door and so excited um, for this book to become available. And again, you know, in the meantime, if you're interested in getting a reading and learning more about Diana in your chart, or you just want to have like a skilled evolutionary astrologer read your chart, I would highly recommend Verena. So we'll get into our conversation now. Hi, Verena. Welcome to Magic of the Spheres. I'm so excited to be doing this interview with you. Um, you created such an amazing body of work about Diana, also known as Artemis. And it's really become part of my astrology practice as well from the transmission that you created um, about Diana. I felt like I was introduced into like a new goddess that I can be in relationship with and see in charts and kind of see alive in the world. So I'm just so deeply um, grateful for your work and also impressed by the scholarship and research. and deity relationship that went into this. So um, for for the listeners, I would love to have you introduce yourself a little bit about your astrology practice and we'll get started with that. Sabrina, first of all, I'm so, so deeply grateful that I am here. Um, so you know that um, your podcast was one of my first astrology podcasts ever. And so it's really an honor for me um, to be here. And I'm so deeply grateful that you see and feel Diana and you that you give me the, the opportunity to actually speak about her. Because, um, yeah, I think or what I felt during the whole writing process and I guess we will talk about that later, is that she really wants to be heard. And it's not about me. It's not about a book. It's really about her. And um, yeah, just to introduce myself first of all. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Verena. I'm um, coming from Germany. Um, my mom comes from, from Austria and I'm currently still live in Munich, but I will move to the mountains and to nature, to Diana's land, to Austria next year. Um, yeah, but I'm, um, my mother tongue is German, so I have a little bit of an ex accent. Is it the right word? Yeah. Yeah. Lovely accent. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, I studied with you in, I did your um, evolutionary astrology intense and I'm in your meteorite program. And yeah, I came across evolutionary astrology. Um, yeah. Around two or three years ago. And I actually don't know how, um, I, I, yeah, I dipped my toe into astrology, um, into, yeah, the 
modern Western, more lifestyle astrology um, after a burnout. And it was, yeah, it was right. And so I was asking and seeking for answers and the more lifestyle ways of astrology did not really, um, yeah, did not really feed my soul. And so I don't know how, but I um, came across the evolutionary astrology channel, um, the EA Zoom meetings channel on, on YouTube. And so I found you, I found Ari, Moshe Wolf. And um, yeah, then I studied 24 hours, seven days a week since that time, astrology and especially evolutionary astrology. And it happened really quickly that I read the charts of friends. And then I really, it was very quick in hindsight that I had clients and now I'm Yeah, I'm working as an astrologer. I give birth chart readings on the basis of this um, evolutionary astrology. And I have some long-term clients who I, yeah, who I support over uh, months and yeah, still, still learning and studying and grounding all the astrologic, astrological knowledge into my life. Yeah. Mm. So you answered the call and really yeah. you're an amazing astrologer. I felt like, you know, whenever you share your insights about astrology in general, or like a person's chart, such as in our class, um, I could feel everyone just like really receiving like the depth of your channel. Um, and that you're very, um, like, magically precise in the way that like what you tune into and how you speak of it is like, a, it moves something. And I feel, um, just so glad, so grateful to have you in the community. Um, glad that you found evolutionary astrology and felt that electrifying, you know, quality of that lineage, um, in the same way that I really relate to. So who is Diana? Um, and what compelled you to journey with her and write this whole book about her? Yeah, first of all, I'm very thankful that I have so gifted um, teachers um, because I think that um, in evolutionary astrology, especially, it's so much about um, the relationship of what you are learning and what you are feeling. And yeah, just to answer to your to your answer. But yeah, to answer your question about Diana, um, I think maybe I start with why she, why I felt so attracted to her, or why she, um, yeah, why why I was so curious about her, and after that maybe we can widen a little bit more about her archetype. So maybe just in, in one sentence, um, Diana is the goddess of the hunt, the goddess of the waxing young moon, goddess of childbirth, protectress of young women and animals. And in the pre-Hellenic myth, she's very much um, a fertility goddess who nurtures and protects nature and animals. So we have within her archetype, um, because I, um, yeah, I read about the pre-Hellenic and the Hellenic classic myth, we have what feels a little bit like, an, like, like a paradox. We have um, Diana as connected to animals and nature, 
nurturer, protectress, fertility goddess, and on the other hand, the goddess of the hunt, um, who kills animals. And I think we we want to deepen that eventually a little bit later. Um, first that I heard of Diana was um, in April 2020. Um, and it was an online congress, the um, Astrology of Awakening Summit by Christina Cordill and the wonderful Rebecca Farrar of Wild Witch um, of the West. She um, gave a speak, a talk about the Virgin Esserite goddesses. And she talked um, yeah, about Pallas Athena, Vesta, Astrea, and Diana. And so Diana plopped for the first time into my, into my world. I knew Artemis Diana um, because I went to school um, and learned Latin as first language. So I was aware of this goddess of the hunt, but I was not aware that there's an asteroid god, goddess um, who is Diana. And, but I actually, I forgot about her and I focused more on Vesta um, and on Pallas Athena. And then last, no, this year, Yeah, last winter, I started to read the um, Dimitra's, Dimitra George's Asterite Goddesses book. And she has one page about Diana. Um, and I read the page and I was really attracted by this idea of a wild, untamed spirit who lives in the wild forests of Acadia and... I looked at my natal chart and I found out that Diana is querying my nodal axis together with Neptune and Ceres. So I knew because I studied evolutionary astrology, I knew that Diana, she's meaningful for me and my soul's journey and my evolution. And Sabrina, what, what is so magical is in hindsight, I It was in March of this year, March 2021, um, that I read about her and that I found out that I have her squaring my nodal axis, but I did not look at the transit. And in hindsight, I found out that I had exactly in March my first Diana return before she went retrograde. So she really called me. And yeah, then the journey began. I You offered the, the um, possibility, the opportunity that we are doing a creative project within your Meteor Week program. And then um, I went on vacation to Austria. And I know that we had this talk because I had many ideas and Diana was one of them. And um, yeah, then there in Austria, within the mountains, within the forests, I, she decided that the book is about her. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I remember having that talk too. Um, now, you know, you're reminding me of it and just um, 
it's amazing that while you were out, you know, in the wild, like out in nature, that this started to kind of drop more into you. And I really, you know, this reminds me in your book, one of my favorite parts is all of the transmissions and the poems that you include, um, because they're very transportive and seductive and kind of bring me into the, the feeling state of this archetype. So I love that you um, devoted that type of energy and channeling and then space in the book for that like felt, you know, infusion. So I was wondering um, if you wouldn't mind sharing a transmission with us, one of the poems from the book. Um, and then I would love to hear kind of how you dropped into the state of being. Yes, sure. Can do that. And Sabrina, you know, the, before I really have written the, the book book part, so the more um, research things, the poems, I have written three poems and some more intuitive texts, but the three poems, they all came to me um, during my time in Austria. So where I was really, it's a Diana lifestyle. So I'm, I'm alone there and I'm the whole day um, with my bike in the woods and swimming in the lakes. And so these poems really came to me. Um, yeah, we can read maybe. And maybe it is really interesting for the astrology nerds um, of your listeners that at that time, so the in summer 2021, Diana went retrograde in Capricorn and I have Diana in Capricorn. So the whole writing process, Diana was actually retrograding and I had three returns of her. So yeah, she really so awesome. wanted to. Yeah. Um, do you have a, do you have um, a favorite or shall I read? Um, you know, I would love to hear one of your favorites, but one that really kind of um, like penetrated me, I felt like was the, the one about recognizing when one has developed a, a bloodlust or like a lust for killing and when that's damaging to oneself. Do you know what I'm? Yeah, I have a, I have the poem Diana the Return and I have the Diana I am texts. I, I am think it's Diana. one of the yeah. I guess it's one of the Diana I am texts. I mean maybe we can close with one poem and now I read the I am text. Sure. Um Ah yeah, I think you you mean I am the goddess of the hunt. Yeah, I can read it. Um, Please. I am the goddess of the hunt. I'm Diana, goddess of the hunt. I stroll through the woods, my dogs close to me. Sometimes I ride my wild horse, my bow and arrow always on my back. I love to hunt, to smell the odor of the beast, to hear the steps of my prey. I sense my goals more than I see. I reach out with my bow for what my soul is longing for. I go for my goals, but never too far. I love the animals, nature. I am a huntress and a protectress. I give nature 
her time to regenerate, restore. I never kill beasts with brutality or a yearning for blood. I protect the mothers, mothers of beasts and of children. I know that the feminine principle births new life. I protect Mother Earth. I never destroy. I don't want to own. I am part of the cycle, the cycle of life, the rhythm of the woods. There are times for hunt and times for rest, times for action and times for restoration. I'm in peace. When I take my arrow, my mind is calm. When I'm running with my dogs, my eyes are clear. I feel my heart, this bumping force of life within my body, in every second of my beingness. When I rest, I'm nature. When I hunt, I'm nature. I'm the wilderness. I'm the beast. I'm the goddess. I'm the forest. I am all, what, all of what is. I want you to feel the joy of the hunt, to feel your heartbeat and your breath. The excitement that comes when you run with your dogs, when you sense the prey, thrilling moments of pleasure and peace. I want you to feel the calming security that you will reach your goals. I want you to go for your heart-centered wishes, feel what is natural for you and take action. I want you to go the steps, even though that, that takes you far away from home, from shelter. Don't be afraid of the darkness of your woods. Trust your senses. Trust your gut. Let your heart lead you. Feel the prey and pray for the highest good. Never with hunt without your heart. Never kill the mother within, the source of life, the source of your energy. Never abuse nature and your own body. Never kill even though your mind knows the cause. Be careful with the resources that life has given you so generously. Know when to hunt. Know when to rest. Know when the thrill of the kill is destructive for you. Never kill your source of life. Never overpower, never overpower planet Earth. The woods are your home. The animals, your friends. Be aware that you don't destroy them because then your arrow comes back back to you. It penetrates your heart, hurts your body and kills your soul. Feel what you want. Go for your goals. Trust your intuitive nature. Connect with your instincts. Know when to rest. Give nature time to restore. Find the balance within action. Honor every species. Wow. I had chills again you know, hearing you speak the part that originally like touched me so deeply when I read it. Um, there's a way that the way that you wrote these feels very trance-like um, and it, it opens up maybe like a dream state part of the mind or like the, you know, hypnotic part of the mind where there's like a deeper sensing of like, what does this archetype feel like? And I think like that kind of empathy and deep resonance with the huntress like really came through where you can feel the like the subtle electricity, the sense of like balancing and like how one harnesses that inner killer, right? Like that's such an intense energy. 
Um, and yet like, what does that look like when it's like just merged so deeply with nature and it's part of the cycle, but it's not getting so consumed with its own power that it abuses or kills the source from which it is connected. Like that's just such a deep transmission. Um, so thank you so much for reading that. Thank you, Sabrina. And you know, I think that, that you picked this, um, this poem or this text It's really good because I think that this is one reason why I think or I feel more that Diana is at the moment such an important archetype because of this, you know, she is a warrior. She is a huntress, but she knows about the balance and she knows, as you said, that she's part of this cycle and that there are rest times to rest. And I see this on a personal and on a collective level. So that on a personal level, yes, you, you can go for your goals, but be aware and make sure that you really follow your goals, your heart-centered goals, and that you don't overpower yourself or that you um, destroy your own, your own um, resources. And on the collective level, yeah, it's okay that we, that we explore and that we, that, yeah, society, um, that we have something like work and goals and competition, but we are completely out of balance. So we completely destroy mother nature in order to fulfill certain um, goals. And I think that Diana It's really so much about this coming back to a natural balance and to this idea of being a protectress. And um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting that she's in the discovery chart. She's in Libra. And so the discovery chart for people who are listening, like, yeah. can you clarify yeah, what that sure. is? Yeah, the, the discovery chart is that um, Diana was discovered by actually a German um, astronomer. Um, I have to look up his name, but um, the day of her discovery, it is. Um, so you can actually do a, do a chart for the day of her discovery. And I found out that she was discovered um in 1863 on March 15th. So I looked up the chart and Diana was at that time retrograde in Libra, in conjunction to Saturn and in conjunction to Juno. And um, in a wider conjunction to Jupiter. And they all traveled together, retrograde, Juno retrograde, Jupiter retrograde, Diana retrograde, Saturn retrograde, and Libra. Oh, and it's so interesting. interesting. Super interesting. And um, ruled by Venus and Aries. So Libra, the ruling planet is Venus, and Venus was in Aries at that time. So it's so interesting that you have this element, um, this Saturn, Diana, what, what I feel so, so strongly within her archetype is breaking free, coming back what's natural for you. And um, the re retrograde phase in that she was at that moment, so really 
um, withdraw in your inner woods, in, in your inner forests, come back to your true soul, to your true nature. And the Libra archetype, I see this, this balance, this, um, yeah, this need to balance. So Libra is not yet balanced, but the, 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 the need or the evolutionary intent to find a balance. Um, yeah, and she, she really dances around Saturn. So during, after the, the weeks after her discovery, she really um, crosses him and then crosses back because she's faster than Saturn. But, and both went retrograde. So it's, it's really interesting. I just looked it up today and was really surprised about that because mm -hmm. I did not realize that they traveled for weeks together in Libra. Um, wow. And yeah, there, there is something about this finding a balance. Can yeah. you speak more to this theme of like withdrawal and like where that connects with Diana? Yeah, sure. So Diana in the, in the pre-Hellenic myth and in the Hellenic myth. So in the more original myth, um, she's very much this fertility goddess who lives in nature, connected with animals. And she did um, kind of, yeah, dancing rituals um, around the moon tree during the weeks when the moon was waxing. So you have already this idea of a goddess who's really connected with the woods, with nature, and withdraw from society, from Mount Olympus so to say. And then in the Hellenic art, the, the withdrawal from Mount Olympus comes in the pre-Hellenic myth because we don't, uh, comes in the Hellenic myth because we don't have it in the pre-Hellenic myths. The, the Mount Olympus with Jupiter, Zeus as um, chief goddess, as godfather, and that comes very much in the Hellenic myth that we know um, from authors like Homer and Hesiod and there she is this goddess of the hunt. But even in the Hellenic myth, she is very often in the woods. So she's described as this wild and free goddess who lives um, in the wild woods of Arcadia. And um, as a three-year-old, she asked Jupiter, her dad, um, for a bow and arrow and some nymphs so that she had somebody to play with and uh, hunting dogs. And she really withdraws from society, from the gods. And she's doing her own thing. She's living according to her values and to her um, inner feeling what is true for her. So this gnosis, this inner knowing is such a Diana thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, this is, you know, having me wonder where I definitely have encountered people or know people who seem like embodiments of Diana in the most obvious way, where it's like they live off the grid, they live on a homestead, they're in relationship with animals, they have bees, you know, they're they're hunting and like making leather from the hide and cooking the meat like they're they're out doing that. And then, you know, it's like everyone has Diana somewhere in their natal chart. And in your book, you imagined all these different ways um, of how Diana can express. And so 
what are some, you know, like, I guess, different ways you've seen her manifest outside of that most direct embodiment of the person who's literally, you know, out hunting? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, and it's a wonderful because I think this wilderness and this forest idea is really a metaphor. It's a metaphor for um, maybe a, a state of beingness or a state of living or even a state of mind with Diana and air signs to be, to allow yourself to be wild and free and untamed. And so different forms of forests can be something like art so that you lose yourself into painting, that you really paint because of the sake of painting and really don't with, with, with without expectations what has to come out. So I think that maybe with Diana and Leo or something like that, that creativity can be your wild forest or um, with Diana in water science, especially with Pisces, you can have these dreamy nighttime consciousness of Diana as goddess of the, of the moon who really loved to hunt in the, in the moonlight. And she went through the forests without the light of the sun. So she sensed where to go. And so you have this dreamy spheres where you find your inner wilderness, maybe your inner darkness, and you come back and home to your inner wilderness and maybe explore territories that are unknown. And you find parts inside you of yourself that are unknown, but that are part of the true you, but you could not live it and show it because of the rules that we all know from the, the Saturnian rules of society and our upbringing and past life conditionings. And another way to live Diana or to find this wilderness can, yeah, can really be nature, but maybe not in such an extreme way. So that you have a garden and that you really connect with plants or that you have an animal and you really feel connected to, yeah, this wild little beast. Hmm. <laughs> and um, I mean, I think that even something like um, writing or something like social media, uh, I highlighted that in um, Diana and Aquarius, where you just what I have. Find, <laughs> yeah, that's what you have. And I, I had to think about that today when I prepared our interview, Sabrina, because I see that so much this idea with Diana and Aquarius at one, yeah, at one side, you have this idea of um, exploring new territories within the World Wide Web. So there's yeah. excitement and this creation of new worlds and this, yeah, this. It's wild too, because I, I started to really connect with the internet at a time in my life where all I wanted to do was go out into the woods by myself, but I wasn't allowed to, um, yeah. because my mom thought it was dangerous and I was so bereft about that. I just wanted to be out in the woods. And so I ended up finding like a writing website and it felt like 
a digital woods in some sense, because I felt like my parents didn't actually know what I was doing on the internet, even though the computer was in their room. It's like I was making friends all over the world and like learning how to write and receiving all these mentors and just like had this whole digital world in lieu of actually like going out into the woods, which was my original desire. (laughs) And I would think about that. And thank you so much for sharing, because I think that this was the world where you can could show up with your true self, with one part of you yourself that was really authentic, but there was no place in your home or within your family. Yeah, or like at school, I was totally a different person on the internet yeah. than I could be at school. Yeah. But would you say that you um, felt more authentic and natural within the um, media world? Yeah, because I could say I was around all adults, which probably helped because I had all these ideas and things, you know, my writing and the people around me were like really supportive and caring and like interested. Whereas if I were to say those things in school, I would just get made fun of like, you know, so like didn't feel safe at school, but suddenly it was like, I could actually just be myself and like roam free with my ideas and my like development of my consciousness in that online community. So. Yeah. I really felt that, that, that was more your wild side. Um, and I see there another part of the Diana story um, within your story. So that being part of a circle and Diana was surrounded by her nymphs, her girlfriends, her playmates, and um, they were all, um, they had to stick to one rule to um, being a virgin. So, but you have this idea of a circle and you, Sabrina, were part of this internet community and part of a circle. And later in your life, you actually now are the Diana that creates um, communities within the internet and um, communities for learning evolutionary astrology. But I'm I'm a, I'm a student um, I, of you. And so I know that your way of teaching i feel very much this aquarius diana archetype in it because you are the leader for sure you are the teacher but it's not in a hierarchical there's no hierarchy um there's no rigid hierarchy it feels very um friendly and open so i really feel this diana as the leader of a circle and part of the circle um, within your your um, containers. Yeah. Thanks for that reflection. I really, in Meteorite, I was just like, you all are my friends. Like, this is so, <laughs> I have so much fun talking to you all. Um, yeah. yeah. And just like, yeah, it was a really magical experience. Um, thank you for that. And So you mentioned now we've, you know, gotten through the the wildness of air, water and fire. Um, And I love this, you know, concept of considering the elements through the wild and like opening that, like, it seems like a real, like conscious 
consciousness opener to explore the elements that we already know, but what is it like when they're wild? Um, and so then what about the earth, you know, and you have, um, Diana and Capricorn in an earth sign. So what did you make of the Diana through earth signs? Yeah. And I mean, we can add to the elements, maybe some more elements, uh, <laughs> <of> <laughs> idea of, um, rewilder too, because I think that there is so much about this, um, reclaiming and rewilder within Diana. So with the earth, I think that there's so much about really getting in touch with the land and the body too. So Diana and earth signs, I feel very much about, um, I found out in readings that um, souls with Diana and earth signs are often really feel like the protectors and protectresses of nature so that they are very involved in, um, yeah, um, environment, in environmental um, things and um, there's another there's another um, maybe direction there where this can go um, especially with Capricorn maybe I can talk a little bit about Diana my own Diana experience please um, yeah. yeah I think especially with Capricorn there is so much about the deconditioning of um, what you bring to this life um, from past lives, from lineages where you have to fit in a certain box, where you have to um, have this feeling of expectation and judgments. And Diana is really an energy that wants to rewilder from this. So it wants to um, really break free break free from conditionings, Capricorn archetype, from too close corsets that that are too tight so that you don't can live in a natural way. And um, when I look at, at my chart and by studying evolutionary astrology and I work with the Akashic Records too, I really feel so strongly within my lineage, especially on the side of my father. There are so many souls that were prisoners of their education and this functioning and this um, work, work, work. And you have to, to really, the right to live, you have to work for that. Not just to be loved, but to the right to live. And I think that Diana is so much about the sacred no and this no that is against my nature. I'm not here to um, fulfill expectations. And I think that Diana and Earth signs can really much relate to this... Um, coming back to the embodiment of your true nature. So, and letting go of this maybe um, fear of insecurity and fear of um, you cannot survive when you don't work your ass off um, or something like that. And um, 
yeah, there's there's something about um, Diana and in, in Capricorn and in the Earth signs that is really coming back to this um, more natural way of living and be connected to your body and don't treat your body like a machine that has to work, but really feel as part of nature. It's interesting because with your project, you had a process around thinking it was going to be a book and then deciding it didn't have to be a book. And then it became a book again anyway. And I do see in you, like you have that Capricorn capacity to like really like produce, you know, and like, um, be disciplined and create like a body of work. Like there is a kind of natural constriction in that process. You end up having to, you know, rearrange your schedule. You have to say no to other things. You may be less available for certain things. Like it is a pressure to give life to a, you know, a whole big architectural creation, you know, and a book is one of those types of labors, And so what was your process around kind of like rewilding work? Yeah, I'm in it. I'm in this process of rewilding work, but the writing process really helped me. And I really felt Diana kissing me again and again during the return (laughs) um, and passing my, my Diana and, Yeah, it was like, I had this idea to create a book first. And then I started my research and then I became really afraid of this work. Uh, Because, I mean, it was a creative project that came additionally to my clients and to my workshops and to my programs that I get. So... I felt threatened by my own expectations, how this book has to look or what this piece of work has to be. And it was really that I was, I mean, there was nobody who um, said to me, Verena, you have to write a book. It was just me and it was my internalized conditioning and my own expectations that it has to be extraordinary and very good. And so I I had actually for a short period of time, something like a creative blockage, because um, maybe that's interesting too. I tried to sync with the Mercury cycle to create the book. So I wanted to do all the research when Mercury was a morning star. And then I wanted to do the writing process when Mercury was an evening star because Mercury is very important for me. And I love to um, schedule projects with him, with his cycles or with its cycle. Um, And so I, I had, I had to start the writing. (laughs) I had to start the writing and um, I was really struggling because um, it's English, it's writing in English, it's writing about a goddess 
who has there there are no astrology books about her there are just books about her archetype but no astrology books so it has to come out of me so and um then i with your help and with the help of meteorite and um, we talked about that and then i let go of all these Capricornian expectations within myself, this, um, in Germany, we say, über ich, the super ego, um, the super ego that says, okay, you have to. And, um, yeah, then I actually started with these, I am Diana texts, um, that I read just for you. And these, I am Diana came through me. So I know the first text i am diana um there is a series i am the goddess of the hunt and so on um the first one i have written on a day when i sat on my desk and i couldn't write and then it was summer um i went for a bike ride on the river isa here in munich and i had to stop my bike ride i had to stop i had to pull out pull out my phone and i <laughs> Wildly <laughs> tapped on my phone the first I am Diana text because Diana wanted to come through me. And so then it, yeah, the, the band was broken. And I started with these more intuitive texts. And when I finished them, I um, decided that I want to do Diana through all 12 astrological archetypes. And that was then more an partly intuitive and partly um, putting all of my, what I learned about the archetypes and what I learned about Diana together and feeling into this. And um, for sure, I had the chart readings um, where I looked at Diana. Um, so I synthesized all that together. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was really rewilder from my, linear from from the idea of creating this book in a very linear way and so yeah and because of that the book is um yeah and there are more um more intuitive texts there are more um research texts and there are some poems there are paintings it helped me to paint diana too um And during the whole writing process, as I said to you before we started the recording, I had the feeling that she, I was surprised when I read the book um, because it really, she really speaks, she wanted to speak through me. And I was like in a trance state. Um, And I mean, I know that I have Mercury in Gemini in the 12th house opposing my moon. I know these kind of downloads that I actually don't know where the words come from, but I have to write them down kind of way. But with Diana, it was, um, yeah, very special. And I mean, the book has 77 pages, so it's a thing. I know with all yeah. original artwork that you painted, yeah. I love the story of being on the bike ride and like suddenly having to stop and just like wildly tapping on your phone. Cause that it kind of felt like 
you know, when, when faced with a goal that really aligns with you, so Capricorn, and I love the way that you spoke of, um, Diana in general around like coming back to a state of balance within ourselves when we're in that pursuit or in that hunt so that we're actually like in alignment with the arrow. Um, as opposed to, you know, pursuing something that's not truly correct for our nature, which is a lot of, you know, in training right now in, on the planet in terms of this is what you have to do to survive, or this is what you have to do to fit in, but coming back to a state of balance within oneself. But then once you have that goal that is actually true to your soul, then there is a wildness that opens up like those states of genius or those states of just wild inspiration and that you actually begin to organize your life differently where it's like, yeah, I'm on this bike ride. I'm not just going to wait till I get back to my destination. I'm going to stop right now and like let this torrent of inspiration move through me. And I think that that's a really, um, really enlivening side of the creative process where you, you do start to break down some of the ordinary ways of moving about reality and being in your own embodiment where it's like you, you surprise yourself or like magic comes through and you go with it. Um, so I just think it was so cool too, that the book happened after you let it go too. Yeah, totally, totally. And you know, Sabrina, I think that it is important that we actually we want to channel a certain energy. So it's, it, it comes with awareness. So I made the time. I had several weeks in summer blocked where I did no client sessions because I wanted to write the book. And I made the space. I set the container so that spirits, so to say, can come through. So I think that it's really, we, there is something that we have to set up so that magic can happen. And I think that there is Diana too, in a way, because she, she, she has this inner knowing where to go and she smells maybe the prey or she she had this sixth sixth sense too um for animals who needed her help so she is really she's there and she's she's ready she's ready to help she's ready to hunt and um then there comes this um flexibility in the process and i think there is maybe a different a difference to Pallas Athena because um, I talked about Pallas Athena and Diana in the book too, because I think that Diana is very much about, um, I don't have to know the end goal in my case, the book, but I know the direction and I give everything to go in this direction, but I can stay flexible. And I think that Pallas Athena can maybe learn from Diana in this way because I think Palo Satina is so much about this visualizing your goal. You have the perfect plan, the perfect strategy, and then maybe you oversee that there are some flowers on the way that maybe lead you to another path. So I think that they can balance each other very well. 
Yeah. Yeah. That part of the book also really touched me. Um, thinking about, you know, they both Pallas Athena and Diana have that pursuit element and Diana is wilder and Athena is very, um, uh, you know, in the myths, more institutional and like more connected to kind of like the structures of power. And she's also, um, she is very like masterful at executing plans. And there's a, a severity in that energy that can be both like, you know, that can take people places when they know how to have strategy and execute a plan. And it can also cut people off from a certain part of their life force energy, which is the more spontaneous, free flowing, sensual kind of side. Um, so, you know, you also made comparisons in the book about how Artemis or how Diana can learn from Athena in the sense of like, maybe a little bit of that accuracy. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we have two um, warrior and hunter, huntress archetypes. Um, but Diana can learn from Pallas Athena because Diana is very emotional. She is connected to her, her intuition. She's connected to her emotions. And especially, especially the classic myth tells about the revenge and the rage of Artemis, Diana. And when somebody was hurt, some she, she's the protectress of women in need um, and she knew no mercy um, with their predators. But there are some situations, yeah. That's just interesting because Athena is not that supportive to other women in, in a lot of myths. She, you know, yeah. Yeah. And that's super, super important that you say that, Sabrina, because I see in Diana an archetype that knows no gender. So she loves and hates women. She loves and hates men. So she's completely, she, she, has, she has friends. Her friends are animals, nymphs, gods, male, female. So there is no gender. And For that reason, I think she's such an important archetype at the moment, too, because there are no gender roles within Di the Di Diana's world. And Athena is very much about rivalry and especially with women. And I think that um, I want to say something about the relationship um, from Diana and Athena to men later, but maybe first... Um, to answer your question, how Athena can help Artemis, Diana. I think that Diana can be very emotionally involved. And there's one myth about her where she is so much in action and so much in competition with, um, with Apollo, her brother, that she kills actually by accident. Um, um love yeah um Orion so who she really appreciates and loves and so I think that Pallas Athena she's more detached from emotions and so she can really help the Diana energy in us to step a little bit back and to 
look at the whole picture to recognize the pattern, to recognize the pattern within their own psyche, to see, ah, okay, I'm very involved here. Um, maybe it's good to actually have a plan at this time and to not be over hasty and overly involved. That's so interesting because I feel like Athena actually can be a guide or like when people have strong Athena energy, I've seen it manifest as people who can climb the corporate ladder and like get to the top of an institutional position by compartmentalizing their emotions of say, like not being treated well in the workplace. They're like, I have a goal. I don't care. And they're able to, you know, get somewhere. And there's a cost with that, but there's also like that capacity to just be emotionally unaffected by those obstacles. Whereas I think that the Artemis or Diana energy of being so connected to the wild, it's there's less tolerance within that archetype to stay in an environment that suppresses that. And so you get the people that are like out on the homestead living directly with the land, you know, and like they're, they're happier there as opposed to the person who's like, in the institution or in the, um, the system and playing their own game within it, like Athena does, but able to withstand that game in a different way than Diana. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I see Athena as an archetype who wants to reach her goals within a certain structure. And even though she isn't, she does not agree with a certain structure, all the society, she's able to play within these rules. And Diana is not about that. Yeah. So she says, no, thank you. I'm going into my woods. And I think there's something about that. There's no, 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 no way is better or worse. I think there's place for all of that. And I see within the, the Athena archetype, when we look at her upbringing, so she is born from her father's head. She, um, she was told that she has no mother. So she was totally dependent on her father's love. And so she actually had to um, stick to this rule of, Mount Olympus, where her father was the ruler. And because she had nobody else who loved her. And I think there is so much this, this idea of, okay, yeah, I, I want to be appreciated, so I have to stick to the rules. And um, Diana had, she was the daughter of Jupiter too, but she was raised... Um, by her mother, together with her brother. Um, and she met her father when she was three years old for the first time. So she was really independent. And then she said, okay, dad, I want to have hunting dogs, a short tunica so that I can run. I want my nymphs, my playmates, etc." But she was not that dependent on a father figure, on an, on an authority. So she was raised in a more independent way. And so I think that we all have this different upbringings and this different conditions in that we are born. 
And I think that we all have both energies in us. And so maybe when we, when we feel that we are a little bit too much Pallas Athena and a little bit maybe become very detached from our heart-centered goals and we are very much um, connected with our goals with our mind, then it can be helped to yeah, withdraw in the woods, whatever that means for us. So maybe go for a bike ride or start this creativity practice or painting practice or dancing Diana as the ritual, the, the moon dance rituals, yeah, to connect with the, with the, the heart and the um, gut feeling. And when we know that we are very wild and free, and maybe it's good to cultivate or get in touch with the inner Athena that helps us to, to step back a little bit and to have a plan and to um, maybe sometimes you have to live according to the rules for a time so that you can break free. So know the rules that you can break them a little mm -hmm. bit like that. And I think they both work wonderfully together. I think so too. You know, I think about the archetype of the, the wild person and the wild person will have difficulties sometimes integrating with society. And I think that having the, the capacity to translate between those realms of the wild and society is a deep gift because, you know, otherwise it's like you're too much in society and you, you don't feel fully alive or you're so wild that like it's hard to have certain practical things or like worldly things align. <clears throat> and I do think that they can be integrated and it's um, it's kind of like a delicate energetic. And, you know, I think anyone who has a career in something unconventional is balancing those things because it's like to be in the essence of your work, you go out into the wild, you know, like astrologers need to have a personal relationship with the planets. Like that's the life force. That's like, you know, the, the nighttime consciousness and the magic, but then also knowing how to brand, how to market, how to set up your calendar, like how to do the practical stuff, like how to, you know, build your audience. Like all of those things are more Athena in nature. And I see that with like, you know, maybe someone too, like who works as a kind of like sex coach or sex educator, it's like, they're really contacting some like wild territory spaces. Right. And then to integrate in society, it's like, becomes even like that level of responsibility that people who touch the wild hold becomes more profound too. Cause it's like, you know, how do you, how do you talk about these things in a way that you don't get banned from Instagram or whatever, you know, like, how do you work within those societal rules and like understand the kind of common resistances or traumas that the collective holds and be sensitive and aware to those things and navigate those skillfully. Like it is this back and forth balance, I think. Totally. And 
I just uh, looked up what I have written in, in my book as a summary and maybe I just read this last sentence. Please. Um, Diana and Pallas can support the soul to connect the heart with the head so that the soul can firstly feel what is worth to fight for and then create a smart strategy. Pallas Athena sees the goal, Diana senses it. Both together give a soul the strength to achieve its goal by staying true to itself and its true nature. So I think there is this, what you are saying, this feeling what you what you are longing for and feeling your true goals, but then, yeah, setting, acting within this frame where you are living. Um, yes. Yeah. So I have... Two more things I want to ask you. The first one being, um, I know you touched on this a little bit, but just if there's anything else you want to add about why Diana, you know, is wanting to be connected with and heard at this time. Yeah, I touched um, on that um, in relation to the balance that we are out of balance on a collective and glow uh, on and personal level. I think that. I see Diana as an archetype um, who paves the way into the age of Aquarius for us. So we know that at the moment Saturn is in Aquarius and Pluto will move into Aquarius in the next uh, years. And what do I mean with that? I think that there's so much about um, higher consciousness, higher frequencies, um, new ways of connection. So we have a world that is increasingly shaped by media. Um, and I think that there's something about the need that we connect to our inner sense of truth within these new dimensions that are opening up at the moment. So because, you know, I, I love media, but there is media manipulation. Um, we have fake news. We have all these things. And we have old patriarchal systems that we, in, in, that, in which we are living for lifetimes, over hundreds of years. And so I see on the one hand that it is crucial for us on a personal and collective level that we reconnect with our inner sense of uh, truth so that we don't get so involved in this maya of um, media uh, worlds so that, that we stay connected to our heart. And on the other hand, this breaking free of element of Diana and this um, rewilder idea of her archetype is so important because for me it's not such an we have in uranus in the aquarius archetype and in uranus we have this breaking free element too but when i felt into that it's it's sometimes more traumatic and it's very much in the mind so we leave completely everything we leave our body we leave um time and space with uranus there is no there is no saturnian um reality any longer and I feel that Diana is a breaking free um, and a coming back home to your body, to the earth. And so she is this wild and open mind and she, she thinks according to her rules. 
she um, thinks she's a free spirit, but she has her feet on the ground. And she, for me, she's all about this, yeah, I want to expand, but I don't want to leave Earth. And I don't want to burn Earth down. I want to live in harmony with Mother Planet Earth, with my body, with my own resources, with the resources of nature, with the environment, and expand in higher dimensions. But I feel in her so much about that um, protectress energy of the earth as our home and not getting too detached and too much in the clouds and disconnected, which is a shadowy side of the Aquarius archetype that we are disconnected from our body, from our senses, from our feelings, from our truth. Because I know, you know, um, intuition sits in the body. So gut feeling, heart wisdom that sits in the body. And I think when we are constantly in our mind it, it yeah we 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 should leave we should we can leave ground consciously and we should consciously come back and reconnect and yeah i think that therefore because of this concept is diana very important and for sure because we are all with Pluto in the last degrees of Capricorn. I know you are going through the um, Pluto return, the United States, and we have so much um, about a destroyed, um, distorted Capricornian archetype. And it's so much about deconditioning and um, yeah, relearning all these concepts and rules and really feel what is right for us and coming back to natural law to what's right for us what feels natural for us and therefore she is yeah she is such an important archetype wow that just brought up so much illumination for me and even thinking about like yeah, I love what you're bringing up about media manipulation and whatnot. And it's interesting because after you finished writing the book, the announcement about the metaverse came out, which I feel like is yeah. such a Pluto and Aquarius thing. This idea of like virtual reality becoming more, you know, like the next version of the internet, the next evolution of this kind of air element technology and how um, one of the main critiques that, you know, I feel and have seen people talk about is just how it's going to be um, a place that people can become even more disembodied. Right. And like yeah. one could play with virtual reality and be in their body, but they have to make that choice of balance within themselves. And if anyone has a tendency to disassociate, this will be another kind of avenue for that. And so I think just like you picking up on this, you know, upcoming trend around more proliferation of the the media realm and the alternate realities that it opens up and whatnot, how important it is to like be able to navigate those wilds um, as like a um, sovereign being in touch with themselves. Um, so thank you. 
Yeah, and I, I would like to add to that, that um, what you um, said about the metaverse, I mean, now in 2022, we have this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces. And I see there this creating dreamlands, dream realities, and escape, escape maybe when, when you are not so connected to your inner to your inner self and to your true self. Um, there is this, yeah, I see there kind of a danger um, to um, escape into these worlds and be not connected to your body. Yeah. It's really interesting though, too. Like it's just occurring to me that, um, getting into one's body is like part of what we're doing here in this incarnation process. And when I first became really psychically open and was like developing my skill as an astrologer. And I was constantly giving astrology readings in trade for like psychic readings and Reiki sessions and massage and healing and all this stuff. So I was like really deep in this like mystical barter system. Um, I kept getting the reflection from people that I wasn't embodied. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it didn't make sense to me. And I would have all of this sight, like such a wild, expansive Aquarian realm. And there was a process of bringing it back down. But in some sense, I went up into those other realms first and gained insights that I then brought down. So who's to say, too, if people, you know, there is the potential for escape and disembodiment, but there's also the potential for people to see things that shake them to a bone level where they're like, okay, that insight hit me. Now I can work with that. And it's a little bit unconventional. Like it's not being in the body first and then going up into the spirit realm. Like sometimes people have the opposite directionality. I want to add to that something, Sabrina, because my challenge in this lifetime is to actually come in this body and to be connected as human being here on earth. And I had this just what came up while you were talking is, I mean, I have Diana in an earth sign. And I think that there is something about even rewilder from the idea what it means to be in a body. So I think that there is something about, I think it's all about, again, balance and about being consciously aware. So you can leave the body, but with conscious awareness, you can drop into these alternative um, states of mind. But when you actually completely dissociate, then I think there is something like not be fully alive. And I think that there is this idea, you have this body, but you are not only this body. So you can be consciously in this body and consciously outside of the body. But there is this, I think we all have to learn this. And I think that Diana can help us within this learning process because she is free in her mind and in her thinking. And at the other hand, she has her feet on the ground. And yeah. One of my, you know, friends, Carla, who's an embodiment teacher, like 
um, she comes to mind cause she teaches me so much about embodiment, but she's brought up how like embodiment isn't all just being sexy and like moving in impressive ways. Like there's a lot of, um, deeper material or like pain or sensation that comes up too. And I think that like, it just kind of reminds me of how growing up my idea that if I was in pain physically, it's like, there must be something physically wrong. And now I'm scared and I need to go talk to an authority figure or a doctor who can tell me that I'm okay. And that's not a very wild relationship with the body. It's, it's incredibly, you know, uh, conditioned versus like, what is it like to notice that you have a lot of energy in your root chakra and start to bring it up to the heart or something like that. And to move energy throughout the body and like be aware of the subtle sensations at the back of your heart, you know, or like notice where certain mental ideas live in your body. Like there's all these other ways that are more like wild and more intuitive to relate with the soma and like sensation. Um, and I think that's going to be increasingly important, like as we keep, you know, evolving as a society and moving through Uranus and Taurus, um, and then this media age too. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that that I feel the Uranus and Taurus, and I mean, I I personally connect Diana with Aquarius, with Sagittarius, um, so and with Capricorn. So we have these together in the Uranus and Taurus archetype too. So yeah, there are some similarities. Um, yeah, I love mm. that. So you, I understand that the book is forthcoming. I have been blessed to read a copy of it. Um, do you have, do you have a sense of when the book will be more generally available? And then in the meantime, I also know that you offer amazing Diana readings. I received one and I've heard such good things about it from other people who have as well. And so can you tell the listeners how they can find you and how they can work with you? First of all, thank you that I am allowed to share about that. Um, yeah, I mean, the book is a work in progress still. So I presented it within our circle of nymphs of meteorite. Um, but I, I want to start the editing process. I want to reread it by myself and then let it edit. Um, I mean, it's one of my big Diana heart-centered goals for 2022. So I really hope that I can yeah put all in process in spring um next year 2022 so that the book will be hopefully available as an ebook um yeah maybe in late spring early summer maybe summer is um yeah is realistic i guess um and yeah, because I actually don't know how long the editing process will will last. So, yeah. And um, a way to connect with me is because I'm living in Germany and my whole website is on German and um, my Diana readings are actually um, secret. <laughs> and they are not on my homepage. So I offer um, astrology readings, um, evolutionary astrology readings, and um, 
everything what you are finding I'm on Instagram and I um, on my homepage is on German. So maybe if you are interested in a Diana reading, I'm super, super happy and super open for that. I think the best way to um, connect with me is via mail. Um, when you speak German, wonderful. Then you can check out my website and my Instagram channel. Um, but yeah, when you are English speaking, maybe just write me a mail. Maybe Sabrina, you can um, put my mailing address in the in the description of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and yeah, my books are open at the moment. I have um, I'm available um, for February and March and April. So I do a little um, winter break. And January is uh, really fully booked already, but February and March, I would be, I, I would love to um, connect with you, Diana. And um, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm going to leave that email. I highly recommend reaching out to Verena. Thank you so much for sharing this with us today and for going out into the wilderness, you know, to channel this book. Um, it's been a really profound process to get to witness. Um, and it's an amazing book and I can't wait for it to be, you know, out in the world. And I'll definitely update the listeners here when that happens, we'll probably talk about it again. Um, so that yeah. people can connect with it. You know, Sabrina, what I want to say at the end, um, is that I, Again and again, I had this feeling and you mirrored it back to me that the book is a portal. And I know it's not about the book. The book is really the portal through that Diana wants to come into this world. And I feel very honored that I, um, I am allowed to write this book. <laughs> and I really, I, I feel that Diana wants to be seen and wants to be heard and wants to be lived in this world at that time. So I'm very, very grateful that you yeah, give me this opportunity to talk about her and that you give me the opportunity to share about the book. And I'm really, really grateful for that, Sabrina. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful for what you've created and just really getting to see Diana enter my life more like through people um, where they have a strong Diana, say, in their natal chart. And it's just so obvious. And it's a layer that I wouldn't have been able to interpret or see. And I, I, it doesn't feel like it's just already there and then you wake up to it. I really think that when we tune in with archetypes, they reveal themselves a lot more because they know that we're paying attention. And so yeah. it is a portal. It's not just a portal to witnessing something that already exists. It's a portal to like awakening a deeper relationship with this whole dimension of reality that once it's given language, it's like we have the neural pathways and like the receptivity to see it and connect with it. And that's just huge. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I, I, I would like to share something with the listeners too, that, um, on the one hand, I mean, we touched just 
some brief things about Diana. I mean, she's such a multi-layered archetype, um, which I described in the book. But I think I really want to um, to encourage the listeners to connect with her. So you can do that in your meditation. You can connect with her while you're out in the nature. Um, and I think it's really about inviting her into your life when you have the feeling that you want to live a little bit more Diana-like. So it's really about praying and asking that she comes. And I'm pretty sure that she will hear you and will join you and teach you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Farina. Thank you for um, giving us that invitation. I believe that too. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you.